0: Welcome to the Ladies Power Lunch podcast with Dr. DeVia Shepard, a resource for women in business, presenting a wide range of topics exploring professional growth and personal development. And now, Dr. DeVia Shepard.
1: everybody. Welcome to Ladies Power Lounge. Thank you so much for joining us. I have with me as our very, very special guest, Angel Johnstone, and she's going to share with us today a bit about how we can elevate our money mindset. So why don't we dive right in? Angel, can you share with us who you are and what it is you do? And give us a little background. Tell us a little bit of story about why this topic is important to you.
0: Well, I am a sex, money, and confidence coach. And the way I look at it is those three things are really intertwined with our feeling of worthiness. And so to me, what's really important about that is that women tend to, because of our conditioning and because of the patriarchal world that we live in, our worthiness gets like dumbed down over time. We start to feel like we're not worthy of the things that we want or the situations that we want. We stop asking, we stop aspiring, we stop dreaming, we stop going after things because we think we don't deserve them. And so I teach what I most needed to learn as most of us do. And I knew that worthiness was a key part of what I was holding me back. And so I started a group um, revolving around a particular book that addresses that. And uh, we've had some amazing growth in that group over the last year. So I've learned a ton about myself but I've also helped other women do the same.
1: So you're promoting confidence and you're helping your clients with their worthiness and that sort of
0: thing. But what does it have to do with money? How does money come into play? So much. So much. Um, I have found that a lot of the reasons that I was held back, I guess, if you will, financially was that sense of worthiness. And I really wanted to do some work into where did it come from? Why am I tamping down my own worthiness? You know, like what's happening here? And I got introduced to a woman by the name of Margaret Lynch and she wrote this book, Tapping Into Wealth. And so my coaching group uses, this as kind of our textbook, which is why there's tabs and writing and underlines and all that stuff in it. And one of the things that I found in this book was that was fascinating was just going back to early childhood memories that revolve around money, finances, or how your parents were doing things. And just how impactful that is. Like we talk about generational trauma, right? We talk about that in a general sense, especially in um, people of color and, and marginalized communities. We talk about the generational trauma of being in those communities. What we don't talk about is the generational trauma of people struggling financially. And what that does to their kids and their kids' money mindset going forward. I am one of those kids. My parents were depression babies. And they pinched pennies like crazy. I mean, like there was no, like you would have thought we were drowning in debt. We would have thought there was nothing to eat. Like it was, it was just, that's just how they were because that's what they grew up with. And then later on, I found out my parents were actually doing pretty good. And it took me like a long time in my adult life to kind of come around to that understanding. Like we were not poor, but it really did guide a lot of where I was and what I went through financially because I didn't understand the context because I was a kid. And so I found in this book that really going back into some of that childhood, those childhood memories about money and again, what people are willing to trade for money And the belief system that parents put around that has a lot to do with where we end up financially.
1: Tell us a little bit more about how this generational trauma can really be affecting us in our lives. And give Mm -hmm. us some examples, because you say, you know, you're coaching with different women. Give us some Mm -hmm. examples of stories of times when that has
0: been a problem. I can tell you a few things that I've heard over the course of doing the group work. For example, somebody that might've grown up in a household where their parents had to work really, really long hours or like seven days a week in order to make ends meet. And they actually took those, those parents took that kind of as a badge of honor, right? Like I work so hard for my money. And then when somebody does something, for example, it goes into a field that pays really well and it doesn't look that hard in comparison. There's shame around that. There's shame about the pattern of hard work. There's shame about somebody being able to bring in $100,000 or $200,000 in revenue with what looks to their parents like very little effort when their parents worked so hard just to make $50,000. Does that make sense? So I've heard those kind of stories. And I've also heard other stories, uh, the flip side of that, where parents had a very good wealth background. They were doing very well, had a lot of money, but then never taught their kids what to do in order to make that same kind of income for themselves, or how to manage their money. And so the money would come in, but it would flow right through the family as though there wasn't any. And so there was still a panic that there was never gonna be enough. And so there's almost like two, you know, with all things, it's the spectrum of how we learn what money is and how it impacts our families.
1: So when your clients are coming to you with these sorts of stories, what is your approach to helping them to heal this sort of money mindset issue?
0: What I'm finding is as we're doing the coaching together and we have a group, a small group between five and 10 people in my groups, the conversation between those people really is enlightening. You'll see different aspects of this money paradigm. And you start to realize that your family or your family history is one, not the only way to do it, right? It's not the only way to think about money. And also you realize sometimes how ridiculous it is that we carry that story with us into adulthood when our situation has drastically changed. So I have one person that's, you know, their, their family was generationally poor and they've done very well for themselves and they have to catch themselves all the time With those thoughts of it's not going to last. I can't keep making this much. Like the disaster thoughts, right? (laughs) Because they came from a life of disaster. But there's no evidence in their adult life that that's still true. And yet our reptilian brain holds on to the trauma from the past and tells us that it is true. And so it's really getting conscious about those patterns and getting conscious about changing those patterns through a variety of different modalities.
1: And so exactly how can we change those patterns? I know you use different modalities, but can you give us a practical example of how we can shift?
0: Yeah, there's a a lot of things that people can do. Obviously there's all different kinds of therapies that people would do. You could go to talk therapy. You could work with a life coach. You could work with somebody that's going to help you get your finances in order, like somebody that would help you budget And all of those things are definitely helpful. But to get to the root of the problem, I think you need to go a little bit deeper. I found that Margaret's background is in emotional freedom technique, which is EFT or tapping. That's what this book focuses on. And that's what my group does. And we found that to be really impactful in terms of releasing a lot of the negative emotions around money. And that's one of the things that I've found most interesting about it is that your emotions are energy. And if the energy is trapped in a particular way in your body from a prior time, and this is true of any kind of trauma, that um, you're kind of stuck there. It's almost like when we talk about people being stuck as a teenager or being stuck as a child in their trauma, if you don't work through it and get conscious that there's another path, (laughs) like you can get through that and work through the sadness, work through the energy, you actually can kind of rewire your brain to think of that moment in time or that situation in a different way. And so our group does a lot of tapping together. We do the exercises in the book, but we also come up with our own scripts and we talk about, you know, what are the keywords for us? What's true for our situation? And then we rewrite some of the words as we do the tapping to um, tap into those emotions. And what I see is just like a lot of emotional release, you know, like a lot of forgiving of ourselves for having gone through that, a lot of forgiving of the shame that came from whatever our financial situation was as a child, and a lot of grace of just giving ourselves grace that we have time to figure this out. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to pretend that we have it all together. That it's okay to step away from something if it's not working. That it's okay to say, you know what? This job I have, yeah, it pays the bills, but I don't love it. Maybe I need to do something else. It's okay to give ourselves permission to stop doing something that we even like to do because it's not working. And it's also okay to be doing things that light us up emotionally and not just for the money. So having a financial health isn't just making tons of money. It's about looking at your entire financial picture and does it work for me now? And how do I fix the things that don't and keep the things that do?
1: So you mentioned tapping and many of our listeners on our podcast, on our YouTube channel, and watching with us here in our Ladies Power Lunch Facebook community might be familiar with tapping, but there might be some of us who are not. Can you Mm -hmm. share with us a little bit about what tapping is and how you use that to basically master your money mindset?
0: Yeah, I was introduced to tapping a few years ago. I had gone to a private session with someone. And I'll be honest with you, I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever heard. of. <laughs> and then about five years later, I had a friend who actually wrote a book about tapping for children. And my son has ADD and he has some emotional outbursts. And so I was like, well, you know, maybe it would help him just calm down. It would give him a way to redirect his energy. And so I taught him some really simple t- tapping techniques with that book, introduced it to the school, introduced her to his school. I mean, we kind of got with the next step, right? And now I see such a change in him over the year or so that we've been doing that, where when he has an emotional outburst, I can literally remind him to tap right here on his forehead. And he'll, within seconds, go from crying to laughing. It's almost like a Pavlovian reprogramming (laughs) And he actually gets mad at me that I have taught him this because sometimes you want to be mad, right? You want to just like seethe with anger and you don't want someone to be able to make you laugh. And so sometimes he gets mad at me that I've made him laugh. But tapping is really just um, being able to touch points on your head that match up with your meridians and other acupressure points throughout your body. And it allows you to release emotion in a very unique way. I can't really 100% explain it. It's relatively new to me and my family as well. I just know that what I found is when I am saying the things, especially that are in this book about my emotional state or what I'm concerned about, my worries, my fears, and I tap on those, which is just tapping in a number of places on your face and on your chest and underneath your arm and on top of your head. What it does is it kind of recircuits uh, the way your brain processes that information. And then it allows you to release. And I've seen people yawn during my calls, a huge, big yawn, just a big release. I've seen people um, start to cry and they don't know why, which is really interesting. I've also seen people like all of a sudden just have like a heaviness that then releases as they tap. So it really does tap into, again, that emotional energy that's flowing through us by tapping into those energy points.
1: Interesting. I've had psychologists on our show some time ago who explained the whole idea of tapping as being a pattern interrupt for <laughs> the neurons that go to the brain. So, for me, as one of those, you know, I have to see the randomized controlled trials kind of girls, that kind of explanation was really meaningful to me because it explained the idea of tapping. From a neurological standpoint, and it made a bit more sense for me there. So that's interesting. If you have clients who are struggling with their money mindset, what is it that's usually showing up for them in their lives? What are they seeing?
0: usually they're seeing a lot of work and not a lot of like return coming back. Sometimes that's overpromising to the clients that they're trying to serve. And sometimes that's just busy work. And I'm guilty of this too. I think we all are to some extent we make things more complicated because that's what humans do. But some of it comes from a place of maybe not feeling like they're ready to step boldly into their, into their new space, who they, who they want to be. And also it can come from, again, some childhood patterns of doing for others instead of you know taking care of yourself. I'm number one, guilty guilt by association on that one. I tend to take care of everyone else before myself. And to change that pattern consciously is not like an overnight thing. I mean, it literally has taken me years to one, even be conscious that I'm doing it. And then two, to be able to start changing those patterns and those habits by saying no to things that don't serve me and structuring my time better little baby steps in that direction to structure my time better, to be able to manage all the things I have to manage. And so I think the consciousness piece is so important to notice what's going on and then to get to the deeper understanding of, well why? Why am I doing that? Why am I not marketing myself? Why am I procrastinating? Why am I not marketing my business? Why am I not calling people? What am I avoiding? Is it embarrassment? Is it you know a lack of worthiness in what you offer? Um, not feeling like what you make that maybe that imposter syndrome creeps in that we don't really have something of value to offer other people, and also overwhelm. Are we doing too much? And how much of that is really necessary?
1: I love 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 all of those, especially when you talk about the entrepreneur who's doing so much,
0: mm-hmm.
1: working so hard, over giving, over delivering, and really not seeing the sort of response as far as their bank balance would show it. That is really an indication that checking in with the mindset is a good idea. So for somebody who might be in that category, somebody who they're working a lot, they're not seeing the return, they're overworking, they're overwhelmed, they're doing all of those things, they're underpricing, that's another one that seems to come up a lot for the <laughs> members of our group. I know. Yeah. I know this. I I was talking on Ladies Power Lunch yesterday to somebody and um, to Natalie, actually, she was our speaker. And we were talking about the fact that sometimes I have to pull women in our group aside and say, hey, you need to raise your price because this is ridiculous. And it, it sounds crazy, especially when I'm about to pay them money to do something, but it is not a good idea to encourage that sort of behavior. So my question is for you, Angel, what are some of the do's, and don'ts that you would love to leave us with today as far as money mindset goes, what things would you suggest that we really pay attention to? If you could just give us a few little tips and if we take nothing else away from the conversation today that we stay focused on these things, what would be the do's that you would recommend and what would be the don'ts?
0: The do is to get really clear on the things that you're doing in your business or in your work life and are they necessary or are you doing them out of a sense of obligation because you don't feel that you're offering enough value and to really strip out all the stuff that we fill our time with that may or may not really be benefiting us financially. And I would say the other thing to do is to look at when we're talking about pricing, to look at what other people are charging and to go into groups on Facebook or other places, LinkedIn, things like that, and really get a feel for the rates and the amount of time that other people in your profession are offering to see where you fall within your competition. You don't want to undercut everyone else because again, that's giving away the candy store for free. But you do also want to be somewhere in a mid-range where you're, you're getting paid a commiserate amount as everyone else, but you feel comfortable offering that for that price. And then be willing and able, pretty much at a moment's notice, to up that price as you feel more confident in what you're offering is hitting the target. Like your clients are happy, you're getting great testimonials, everything's going well, it's time to raise your prices. You don't have to raise them a lot, but enough to say, yes, I understand my own value and the value of my time. And, and also a third thing I'm learning myself, you have to delegate, absolutely have to delegate and find people that can support you as you build your business. It's so easy to get stuck in. I can do it all myself. You (laughs) can't. And you shouldn't actually. You shouldn't. You You shouldn't. Seven days a week. You shouldn't be.
1: One of the things that I learned very early on, and I was fortunate because when, you know how it is, Angel, you learn the profession that you learn, but nobody teaches you how to run the business of the profession. And so I came into managing our practice when I became a partner in our practice. I was immediately, because nobody wants this job, I was immediately assigned to be the operations manager of our practice. (laughs) and one of the things I can tell you about me is I know what I don't know and I always know hey this is not my lane I need help and the first thing I did was I got a coach that was thing one and I remember one of the things that she taught me very early on was there are some things that are your brilliance and there are some things that are not The things that are not your brilliance, there's somebody else out there who it's actually their brilliance and they're amazing (laughs) at it and they're going to do a fantastic job for you and they're going to make you look amazing. So your job is to find those people Mm
0: -hmm. and that's your
1: job and your job is to find those people and your second job is to do the thing that you do and your third job is to basically spend some time marketing. Mm -hmm. And those are the only three things that you should really be doing in your business.
0: All that rest is fluff, you know, all of of the rest is we make busy work for ourselves because we want to feel like we're doing something, but we may not be doing the thing that really needs to be done.
1: What's one counterintuitive thing that you found in this whole world of money mindset?
0: You're allowed to quit. (gasps) What? I know, Right. And here's why that's important. And this really hit home for me. If you don't have a way to quit, if you don't give yourself permission to quit, now you've built a prison for yourself.
1: Oh my goodness. Mind blown. Yeah.
0: Amazing. So, But once you say, I don't want to quit, I can, but I don't want to. Now you're doing it from a place of desire and that switches the whole game up. So yes, you have to have... It in your mind that it is okay to quit because if you don't now you're just working for a different jailer right you built this whole business and now the jailer is you
1: <laughs> angel this is amazing before you go can you share with us any books or podcasts or hacks or tips or websites or anything that you think might be helpful for us that we just don't know about yet for elevating our money mindset
0: well, obviously, I am a huge proponent of Margaret's book, this one, Tapping Into Wealth. Um, I'm also just about to start a book group going over Think and Grow Rich, which is about yes. a Yes.
1: I feel like we should all, every one of us, read that one at least once a year. Just Absolutely. Just yeah. read it once a year.
0: And then um, the, th- the one thing that I just did stumble across is my accountant has a brilliant class on tax deductions. <laughs> <gasps> sounds completely boring but I promise you it isn't anything but and I learned so much from him rapid tax savings formula uh with uh Jonathan Bengal and he it was just amazing it was like six weeks of I can't believe I can do this with my tax return so yeah it was really good
1: I tell everybody all the time you know knowing about your money is actually quite exciting and we had last week on the show a master accountant come in and talk to us and of course Deborah Daniel is an amazing accountant but she's also so charismatic and it was just so amazing to see her take money and make it fun so I absolutely agree if anybody wants to check out a course on deductions Go ahead and do it. This, these are the things that we should be doing. We should be looking at our spreadsheets with love and joy. And Absolutely. not with
0: fear and trepidation. I've never been excited to do a quick to do book before, but I can tell you I'm all like, woohoo, yay. <laughs>
1: this is wonderful. I love that you shared that resource with us. Thank you so much, Angel. So people are going to be watching this on our YouTube channel. People are going to be listening to this on our podcast. How can people reach out to you? Because I know they're going to want to.
0: Yep. I have uh, my website is confidenceiscatchy.com. And on there, I have links to my products, which are, you know, courses that I offer, but also some other links to other things that I do as well. Like I said, it's sex, money, and confidence. So it's a little bit of everything on there. And then I also have, by the same name, uh, Confidence is Catchy on Facebook, which is my business page. And there's links to all of my groups and all of my classes there as well. Thank
1: you so much, Angel, for joining us. This is, as usual, just an outstanding conversation with you. I love having you on the show. I love having you as one of the Ladies parlance speakers. Final words.
0: Have fun. Make it fun and sexy all the time.
1: Fun and sexy <laughs> all the time. It's not fun and sexy. Why are we doing it? <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. Fun and sexy all the time angel thank you so much and i'll see you guys on the next show take care everybody bye
0: thank you for joining us find out more at our website www.ladiespowerlunch.com and find us on youtube at youtube.ladiespowerlunch.com This is a production of the LPL Podcast Network.